Hello, and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustInStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. One of the things I truly believe in is if you're passionate about something and you truly love doing it, then you'll 100% be successful at it. It's how people make a living doing what they love. But nobody said it was easy. You need to put in the work and stay consistent. It takes trying, learning, succeeding, and failing to truly make it work, making it all the more rewarding when it goes right. Set a goal, but more importantly, draw out a plan to where you want to go, because the only person that can get you there is you. On this episode of Just In Stride, I had a really fun chat with pro ultra trail runner Emily Hoggood. Emily grew up on a farm in Zimbabwe and played all sorts of different sports as a kid. She later took a liking to long distance triathlon, but with some encouragement from her now coach, turned to running on the trails and she never looked back. Ultra running became her passion and she now does it professionally. Her results over the years have been impressive and so consistent from race to race, no matter the distance. It's so clear she loves to run and that passion shines through every time she toes the line. I wouldn't be surprised to see her finish on the podium at Western States later this year. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. Hi, Justin. So great to see you again. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It's, you know, time flies, right? I, I got to chat with you at Hurricana, I think it was 2018 or 2019. Um, you were kind of new on the like longer distance uh, stuff back then. And you ended up winning the race in Quebec. And we were actually doing the recording for Hurricana itself for their podcast. Uh, but I'm happy to finally get you on mine. Yeah, yeah, that was an awesome time. And yeah, you say new to the longer distance stuff, but I was brand new to the trail world. So that was <laughs> kind of an exciting introduction. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like you were three years in, right, at that point? Yeah, only one or two, so. Yeah, and and really like the uh, introduction to long stuff, it was just starting for you, but you're having incredible success. And now that's kind of continued looking at, like it's, it's like now we have this window of growth Um are you kind of like, had you had planned for this where you're at now? Cause you, you're clearly taking on longer stuff, much longer stuff and bigger on a bigger stage globally too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think too far ahead in advance. Like I was just loving it. So it's kind of been fun to see where the like progression has taken me, taken me in the journey and um, yeah, pretty pretty grateful to be where I'm at right now. <laughs> right. And where are you exactly in the world? I'm currently in Roseville, California. Uh, yeah, it is 7 a.m. <laughs> Bright and early. <laughs> on, on Valentine's Day? <laughs> on Valentine's Day, yep. Yeah, I, I know. I'm even wearing the right color. <laughs> <laughs> and how is it out there? How's life out there for you? Because I know you're from Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from Zimbabwe, it's all good. Definitely, like we were chatting about pre, pre-interview, it's hard with the time change, just, you know, connecting with family, but we're figuring it out. And I love it out here. The community um, out in Auburn, Roseville area is amazing. And we were just chatting yesterday. I was chatting to someone, I think my massage lady and she's like I'm so I love Roseville everyone's so nice <laughs> I was like yeah I feel like that too so it does feel like home and um, nice and warm right now uh, the sun's been out for a few days so that's been pretty yeah pretty amazing 
you fit right in because you're also very nice. I, I remember that kind of struck me the first time I met you, how like just candid and kind you were. So that's, uh, sounds like you're fitting in over there. Um, so <laughs> are you still studying? Cause I know at the time you were, you were studying and that was also part of the reason why you, you were over in the States and away from home. Um, and then of course, like the training too. Yeah. So I graduated in 2021. Um, so I've been out of school for a little while now. Uh, yeah. So no, not studying right now, which is actually been fun. I I thought leaving school would be hard, <laughs> but then being in school during COVID, I realized I like being in school because I like being with my friends. And then suddenly I couldn't be with my friends. <laughs> I yeah. was like, ah, I can leave. <laughs> <laughs> and has that been a challenging transition for you a little bit? Uh, no, no, I, I like it. Yeah, that I love what I'm doing right now. Cool. And so like you were studying, you, uh, you graduated in its altitude, uh, exercise. Physiology. Science? Yeah. Physiology. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain mm -hmm. that a little bit? And I mean, clearly there's some, some parallels with kind of what you're doing in terms of your own training and your development. Yeah. Uh, fully. Yeah. Um, paralleling it and working together really well. Um, so yeah, exercise physiology, basically is just a study of the human body and how it performs daily but also during exercise um and like how that varies from sport to sport and then adding in different factors like altitude or uh weather that sort of stuff and yeah it's it's worked really well and maybe getting me to learn more about my sport um and my body as well uh, and I went into grad school. I think that's when we met. Uh, I was studying high altitude exercise physiology. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of narrowing the field a little bit. Our field was still super brand new. So there's a broad spectrum of stuff that we could study um, and look into. And I went up to Gunnison, Colorado. So we're at 7,700 feet. And that was just a whole new world in itself, getting used to the altitude up there and seeing how my body responded and pretty much getting to learn stuff in the classroom, then walk out the door and put it into practice. Um, yeah. And then now daily, I have athletes kind of all around the world, up, you know, different altitudes, different weather mm -hmm. areas. And so it's all been really useful information. And yeah, I'm really, really glad I did it. So athletes that you're working with for your for your research or athletes that you're coaching or or both athletes that i'm coaching okay nice yeah. and so what are the thing what are some things because like i don't really know much about altitude training like mm -hmm. is there ways you can explain you know how it works for people that are interested in it or like things that you've learned that you've thought have been interesting about you know everything that you've been studying and how it affects our bodies and you know the the adaptations that take place yeah. Um, I mean, I'd probably keep it pretty condensed just to not overwhelm anyone. There's yeah. so much good stuff. Um, and it's, like I said, it's super brand new too. So there's a whole field that we're still like trying to figure out. And I mean, the best and most exciting part for me is that it's super individual. And what I found through my research was that it, you know, it depends where you were born, where you grew up, how much time you currently spend at an altitude, um, how much you've like traveled. Before I went up to Gunnison, I was living in Europe, so pretty much at sea level for six months a year. I struggled so much when I went up there, but mm -hmm. I lived in Zimbabwe, we were at 4,000 feet my whole life. So, <laughs> you know, it just, it just is super varying and varying from person to person. Um, so yeah, firstly, it's very individual. It, you know, no one can say this is what you do and you're going to be feeling amazing. Like, it depends. Mm -hmm. um, the most interesting thing I found is that everyone seems to have a like sweet spot. Um, it varies again from person to person and you can maybe that's what you need to adjust uh, is your sweet spot. What are you, what's your body happy at performing at and how can you get it to a high altitude if you need that or a lower altitude if you need that. Um, and yeah, kind of going through that and discovering that was 
maybe my highlight um it it can wreck you <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yes that is very true it can totally wreck you i didn't sleep for two months when i moved up there um wow. was super anxious all the time because i wasn't sleeping didn't want to eat anything I'm an athlete that's starving all the time, so that's not good. <laughs> it's horrible. It sounds horrible. <laughs> but it's great when you when you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So okay, I have a few questions. So like, how do you find a sweet spot? Like, do you you know? Because you always hear like thousands of, you know, this, this many thousand meters and this many thousand. Like, do you have to drop it by a thousand? Like, what what number is there a number that makes a difference in that? You know, if you go to 5,000, do you want to drop the four and then three and then two just kind of to figure it out, I guess. And also, like, if you don't live in a place where, like you, you were saying, you were living in Europe, where there's you're not at altitude, is there a way to train that can kind of also give you some of the benefits so you're, like, not at a disadvantage? Yeah. So your first question of, like, how do you find your sweet spot? First of all, you got to figure out what it is, like where is kind of your breaking point where your body's like, nope, this isn't normal. And the best way we find that out is, you know, going climbing. So climb, you know, a couple 10,000 foot peaks or something. And when your body starts to say like, hey, I'm struggling, take note. <laughs> and over time, like you realize like, okay, once I hit 9,200 feet, that's when my body says like, yeah, this isn't normal. And then, um, and then adjusting that. So pretty much your levels, you shouldn't start feeling altitude before like 3,500 feet. And from there, every 2,000 feet kind of make a difference. Mm -hmm. That's what we've kind of found. So when you jump to five, you'll probably feel something. And when you jump to seven, you'll probably feel something. So when you want to adjust and like give your body a break, if you're, living at seven going down to five is probably your like sweet zone where your body would be like oh I feel good <laughs> um yeah so hopefully that answers your question and then the second one you said how like if you're living somewhere that doesn't have that altitude. doesn't have altitude how do you train so you're not at a disadvantage like how do you how do you stay in the game living somewhere for a year when you're you know you're an you know, ultra trail runner that has to do this climbing and, and races and, and whatnot. So how do you stay, like maintain that level of fitness? Or can yeah, you? Right. Um, super good question. Uh, yeah, just like you would train for, you know, keeping the heel strength up. At least in Europe, you can get high pretty quick. So just going up there, even if you're not living at altitude helps. Um, so putting yourself in that environment. That really helps. And then actually heat training is a good uh, training factor. You, If it initiates some of the same responses in the body to mm -hmm. altitude. And so we found a lot more cross pods crossing in those two areas, heat training and altitude training. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess my question, my first question there about like, at what level do you feel good? It makes sense the way you said it. Because if you start at zero and then climb, you can you can say like, it's easily measurable. It's not like you just, I mean, I guess you could fly somewhere that's just at a certain level where you yeah. don't have to climb because you just land there via transportation. But okay, I kind of get like <laughs> the other way around, you know, in Switzerland where, where I am now, I could go to a mountain and then climb up as far as I can until I, until I start feeling, and this is my next question. What am I feeling? What, what, you know, what are some of the symptoms that you would have to say, like, like can you not, you, I guess you can't breathe. I'm assuming that's one of them. Um, are there any other responses that you, you should watch out for? Yeah. So when you're actually looking at kind of where your threshold is at, you're not looking for when you're out of, you know, completely out of breath and dying, but, um, maybe like once your heart rate is getting really high, you know, even if you're stopping and just standing there, like breathing and stuff gets a little more difficult. So your heart works harder to keep up um, mm -hmm. that. So you get a little bit of breathlessness. Yes. And, and then some people get like really bad headaches. 
Um, you know, you can even start feeling nauseous. Those are kind of the main factors. And obviously when you're living somewhere or staying somewhere, not sleeping is another big one. Mm-hmm. And so like that happened to you, right? Like you were living some, like somewhere new and then took you a few months to adapt. And like, yep. and so how long does it take? Is it take two months? Is it, can it, does that also vary from place to place depending where you are? And you know, is it, is it more of like, do you feel better every day or just all of a sudden you're kind of feeling better? How does that look? Yeah. So, I mean, this, you know, sweet spot with training for altitude is 21 days. So you should, you know, see the effects at 21 days kind of measurably. But like you said, like you're, it's going to take a little bit of time to start noticing, but every day you're going to get something. And at 21 days, that's when it seems to be measurable. And so lots of people do it for like a month um, just to like get past the 21 days or allow for maybe a slip up day or like a day where, you know, they need to travel down to lower altitude. And that's not bad too, like having the intermittent um, altitude training, you know, variability. I I think that's especially important for us as um, trail runners because we do go up and down. We're not just at one altitude for 12 hours. Usually we're, you know, dropping between. So it's kind of nice to mix it up and give the body a chance. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. All the altitudes, yeah. And is there some like residual benefit from growing up in a place at altitude? And, you know, do you have like this base level where you just, you know, I'm used to 4,000, you know, 4,000 meters or, you know, where, you know, in Zimbabwe, you guys were, you kind of grew up in that environment. Yeah, definitely. There are responses, definitely as you, you know, as you're out of it, you don't lose it forever, but it, and it takes a little longer to settle back into it. Um, but definitely like your body, your body is so good at learning and keeping this information of like, okay, this is how I function my best when I'm here. And yeah. And that's, I mean, our bodies are amazing, <laughs> but if you needed another factor, it's, it's good at learning. So yeah. Uh, from birth, it's learning how best to help you be your best. For sure. And so what, and what are you suggesting to your athletes who are getting into this types of training? Are they already very experienced or maybe what are some misconceptions about this type of training for anybody interested? Yeah, uh, definitely. The misconceptions is that you have that you need to do it like all in, all out right from now, forever. Um, and not keeping any balance is a good thing because as much as you're, you know, training and hopefully getting your body able to maybe perform at a higher altitude, you also have to realize you're putting a bunch more stress on your body. And if you want to train at the same time, finding that perfect balance where you can like put in the same energy into your daily training as you are into your altitude training, um, that's a sweet spot you have to find. You have to be giving your, your body enough rest. And that's the biggest mistake we see is a lot of people go in and go all in and, you know, do all the work and actually slip up because they aren't giving their body enough time to rest and like re refuel and re, you know, reform those good little connections <laughs> and rebuild to be stronger for tomorrow. Yeah, very good advice for sure. And I think that, you know, it can be applied to even, you know, non-trail runners too. I think that's just, those lessons are all valuable to all sorts of runners at different levels and stress and rest is something that's increasingly important and, and not going hard every single day because it's just not the way it works, you know, and um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to understand sometimes. Uh, let's, I just want to give like the listeners, if they, like I know you, but they might not. So you know, a little bit of background of you and where, you know, you, we said, already said you're from Zimbabwe, but kind of were you athletic as a kid? And then how did you kind of develop into the athlete that you're, that you are now? Yeah. So my name is Emily Hogart. I am from Zimbabwe. I am a professional trail runner for Adidas Terex. I currently live in America and came over here to study 
10 years ago <laughs> and I love it. So I'm still here. <laughs> um, I went to boarding school as a kid from the age of five and we did all the sports. So I was super active. Um, yeah, we, we were outside from two o'clock in the afternoon until six o'clock in the evening for dinner. Uh, yeah, I, I love trail running. I tried all the sports, but finally found the one I'm super passionate about. Now, did you find this sport all on your own or was it introduced to you or, you know, how did you know you, you had a, a gift? I didn't know. <laughs> I I managed to come over to the States and I joined the cross country and track team and the swim team while I was over here. And then my swim coach was doing um, Ironman triathlons. And I thought mm -hmm. that sounded exciting. So I would do that in the summers with her. And that's the sport I thought I was going to do, but I really, really didn't like the bike. <laughs> 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 and that's hard because it's 90% of the race. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, actually what ended up being my last Ironman, um, I did the weekend before I met my current coach, um, Paul Lind, my trail coach. And I, yeah, I had not liked the bike. One of the ladies in the race had got hit by a car oh my god i was kind of having a like oh, is that this really what i want to do for the rest of my life moment <laughs> <laughs> and so when my coach told me that he had some athletes and that his son uh raced in the mountains and did trail running my heart just kind of leaped like oh this is what i've been like dreaming of and i i mean i'm a flat you know farm to farm girl <clears throat> from Zimbabwe I hadn't really seen a mountain I'd climbed Kilimanjaro but at the pace of what they call pole pole slowly slowly <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that was my experience with mountains but just the idea of being away from all the cars and the people mm -hmm. just kind of exploded and let me like be excited about that and yes I asked him if I could do that <laughs> and it kind of just grew into its own story from there so cool yeah and i i get the triathlon thing i i did it too for a few years and it was kind of a this two-year window three-year window and it's like really time consuming but yeah there's also a lot of danger to the sport too and different factors that you can't necessarily yeah. always be in control of so um and how are you performing at these these ironman level distances because like maybe this is where the endurance athlete in you was born yeah, for sure. I mean, every t like I wasn't doing badly. I was missing a Kona spot by one place and I was wow. in the young age group. So we were the little baby age group. There weren't many of us. So we only would get one spot. So I was, <laughs> you know, getting second. And so I was doing really well, <laughs> uh, which was fun. And yeah, so definitely where the endurance side was born um, and having the running part at the end, I think was showing me to daily like that's where my strength was. I would do really well in the swim because I was a swimmer and then I'd struggle my way through the bike and then I'd hop in the run and have to pass everyone again um, in the run. <laughs> mm, that's cool. That's really good. I mean, you don't always hear that combination. Sometimes it's like, uh, like, what did I do? I was a runner who got a bike and rode a bit and then <laughs> like I did a duathlon and then it was triathlon after, but the swimming was, it's definitely not my strength. So I yeah. kind of muck, muck my way through the water. And then stay every triathlete, it's like swimming's the hard part. Yeah, really it is, you know? It's the most yeah. gentle too, you could say, right? So, well, it depends where you are, where you're kind of positioned in the water. Like yeah. my, my, was... first, my first experience, it was like an Olympic and I, I was so worried to go in because like everyone had wetsuits. Oh, yeah. um, it was like a local triathlon and they were all wearing wetsuits I didn't know what was going on and I was just in shorts and I was absolutely freezing a volunteer mm -hmm. gave me her jacket at the start because oh. I was so cold because I was shivering and because I didn't know anything you know and then mm -hmm. I let everyone go in the water and there's my friend took photos and I'm just like standing on the beach as everyone kind of is like <laughs> yeah going crazy in the water so anyways that's kind of a triathlon story but um and so you met your coach and and how did you meet your coach and how did you 
was there a selection process or just like he was there it would seem like a good fit and like what what do you think makes a good relationship a good coaching relationship coach athlete relationship so I met my coach through my current strength coach um, now, and he was my college coach. So I just got out of college and we were at um, a teammate and friend's wedding and he was her high school coach. Um, and so, yeah, I just got introduced to him on the on the idea that he wanted to talk to me about hunting in Africa and we talked about hunting in Africa for one question, and then I asked him what he did. <laughs> and we were stuck on running. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Sorry, what do you know about hunting in Africa? <laughs> well, my brother hunts, so okay. probably something. <laughs> I'm just like wondering why you, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, being from there. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, making, you know, I like, from day one, I like thank him for taking a chance on me because he didn't know me from a piece of paper. Um, and yeah, he took a big chance on me and we kind of built that up. And, you know, I took a big chance on him. I didn't know him. I didn't know what he did. I didn't know the sport. Um, yeah, and just communication and being able to really like both my coaches that night said, just promise me you'll trust, you know, me. And then Pat said, like, promise me you'll trust Paul. And it's been a hundred percent, you know, I trust them. Um, but that hasn't said that I can't question anything they, you know, write down. Like even just last night, I'm calling, just making sure that what we have on the schedule for today is really what we want to do looking forward. Um, and that's built time and trust and, respect like huge respect for each other um respect for the knowledge respect for the you know knowledge of my body and how I've learned myself too so that's what I've been so grateful for is both my coaches have know that they can trust me to say like hey something's not right or I'm not feeling that oh I, I really think this is a good idea but then also knowing um from both of them they'll be conservative uh when we need to be conservative but then push the you know, push the bounds when we need to um, do that too. Uh, yeah, so really, yeah, couldn't be more grateful for both my coaches and really think it's a, you know, lifelong <laughs> learning. Um, but respect and trust are the two core core factors there. Mm -hmm. And you, yeah, and you're with them today. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it just, goes to show how much that actually means, you know, in, in building this, this relationship as an athlete. And <clears throat> did you see yourself at that time as a potential, uh, like that this could be a profession for you, that this could be kind of your, you know, your job? Um, I <laughs> didn't really think past like that day. I mean, it was yeah. the summer <laughs> and I was at my friend's <laughs> wedding. She was doing great. Um, yeah. So no, I didn't like, I, this was my passion. So I didn't really not care, but I didn't think too far. It's just like, oh, what do I get? You know, how can I make what I really want to do happen today? And kind of just kept doing that. And I still do that today. So um, no, I feel super blessed and lucky. And I'm kind of mind blown to like stop and think, think about that. Like think about where I was at and what that's turned into yeah and so you do this full-time now I do it full-time yeah wow and so I like what is that like what is it what is can you take us through a, a day in the life of a you know pro trail runner or you know what how you set up your schedule and and your your training and how you balance life yeah I mean just like anything you know you got to give it its space and its um, time but also realizing that that's not all you do in life <laughs> um even yesterday I had a day off and I I've got green fingers right now because I was <laughs> just going to town on the yard and figuring things out and cutting things out and yeah so it's really fun and then obviously you know keeping your social um 
social circle intact and all of that. Um, there isn't really, I love it because there isn't a day that's like exactly the same as yesterday for me. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's my choice. A lot of other people, like they know exactly what they're going to do from eight to nine, nine to 10. But like this, like I love being able to say like, yeah, I can hop on a call tomorrow. Let's figure it out. Um, so that's been really, really cool. And uh, just having a little more flexibility, I think that allows, you know, just flexibility in your training mindset as well as in life. Um, training wise, planning it out. Luckily, I leave that up to my coach, so I don't have to even worry about that. I just wake up in the morning, look at my training peaks, <laughs> be like, okay, this is what I got to do. How can I fit it in? Um, I obviously, it's super nice out in Cali. I've never seen myself be like a city living girl. And right now I'm getting the opportunity to live in a city. And so I have uh, access to a lot of things. Like I have a gym and I have a sauna or I have a pool. Like, so that's really fun because then I can um get out and use all those things um i can also walk to a coffee shop so that's really nice <laughs> um i have you know i have athletes too so i coach and yesterday morning i had an athlete that was having a hard time and it required that at 4 a.m i was up talking him into doing his run um mm. so it's every day kind of a i i love it it is very connected to exercise physiology and trail running um, my life is centered around it, but I'm not worried about that. Um, I love it. I love this community. And so why would I choose to work in another community um, and not just be more connected to the ones I'm with already? And uh, yeah, so I just, I get filled up every day from all angles of that and then keep myself busy like doing yard work or um I love puzzles and reading and <laughs> so I've never yeah I'm never bored <laughs> yeah it sounds like a good life you know it's uh it's really it seems fulfilling and like you, you know you're surrounded or you know your life is surrounded with this passion of yours that you're incredibly skilled at and talented at but also that you can share that wisdom and knowledge with others and that's uh that's an incredible like gift too right where you can help somebody else achieve their goals and their you know whatever their it, it is that they're after too just like you're kind of doing so um and so like how often do you speak to your coaches and like how connected are you guys in in the planning and do you talk weekly is it daily what, what does it look like in terms of communication and, and can, keeping that trust going? Communication every day. Like I'm always uploading my workouts. They see exactly what I do. You know, pretty much as soon as I get done, that's my first thing. Cause I want to give them all the like data they need or can have um, to know. Uh, and always, you know, commenting, uh, so that, you know, if we're not in the same place or not in the same country, you know, like you said, we've been in different time zones a lot and getting them information and keeping it as detailed as possible is good. But also it's the same thing. Like you don't want to overcoach. You don't want to over be an athlete. And so sometimes just saying like everything's good is what I comment, but they'll see that every single day. Uh, we talk as much as kind of we need to. Uh, with my strength coach, a lot more checking in, you know, once in a while, because as long as like the routine's good and you can notice that with your body too, of um, like if you're tired <laughs> and you, your body's telling you that, you can realize that a lot more with strength training because mm -hmm. things break down. Whereas in, you know, running or endurance work, sometimes you need to break it down a little more or, you know, push other aspects of it, like your strength side, your mental side or, um, you know, that sort of side. Or oh, it's a day to do a hard piece of work when you're not feeling good. Or um, So, yeah, maybe I, I speak more to my running coach um, over, the, you know, over the phone or in person. Um, I... I'm super lucky that he gets to be at a lot of my workouts, uh, especially this time of year. And so that's amazing for me. So I, I don't need to give him a ton of feedback online. I could just give it to him in person or get it from him in person. Um, 
yeah, so constant communication. Amazing. And what what would you say uh, attributed to the you know the the greatest advancement in your running or the greatest um, improvement in your running? Just the daily commitment, I think. Uh, yeah, just doing the daily work. Like I have a ten minute routine I do every morning, and maybe even that. Like it's a little bit of strength, a little bit of mobility. A lot of check-in. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's like you have to, it's it's this consistency over time. And I looked at your race results, you know, since since we spoke basically. And you just, you're just so consistent even in, in your your efforts and your, your race results. Because, I mean, you know better than anybody how it's going in terms of your daily consistency with training. But what everyone else sees is what's what results you're getting in what races right so right. <laughs> you know how do you like it's a it's a a sport of ups and downs and 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 triumphs and failures and especially at those like long distances so that my question is kind of around that like how do you like continuously show up you know I think that is it like continuously showing up realizing that I want to do this until I'm 90 so try not have a all-out race that you know you I don't know and it's not that I'm holding myself back that I don't want an all-out race but how can I make that all out for forever um you know does that slowly take a few you know a bunch of years to get to that level of you know building to that point where you're you're ready mentally and physically and emotionally every time um or, you know, I don't, I don't want to be one and done. And a lot of athletes, unfortunately, have incredible races in one go or one incredible year, and then they get hurt and then they're out. And that's, oh, that breaks my heart for them. And I, as much as I can stay away from that, I really want to, I want to be in this forever. Um, so yeah, just daily showing up, um, going all in every time, uh, making sure I'm in the best place I can be at every start line and yeah, just that consistency, consistency in the, in the little things. Um, yeah, not just the big things and, you know, slowly working through the struggles we all have, whether that's mentally, physically, emotionally, um, that is an everyday thing too. And so realizing that and taking that into account and then honestly, just keeping the passion alive for what I do. Um, number number one rule is always to have fun, right? <laughs> oh, good, yeah. And I can see that on your face that you love it. You know, that's like infectious. What would you say have been like your bigger challenges over the last few years when it comes to your career and and you know whatever you know you need to do in order to keep this passion going? My, I mean, being on the opposite side of the world and being in America is amazing. But it's really hard sometimes being so far away from my family. Um, and when we get, you know, when we go through a hard time or something comes up at home, I really can feel it from afar. Um, and that's not, not nothing against home. It's just how life is. And when you travel the world, you leave little pieces of your heart everywhere. So you really feel that stuff. Um, so that's been my biggest challenge is trying to yeah, make the world a little smaller. Mm. Uh, what was your other question? <laughs> no, that was it. I mean, I just oh, wanted okay. to, know. yeah, because like, and, and now I'm living far from home too. So yeah. like, you know, you've been doing it much longer than I have, but what's some advice you would give to somebody that like lives on, in another country or hours time, uh, time difference between like, I'm only six hours between me and my folks, let's say, but you know, we're nine hours apart right now. Yeah. Uh, so my best advice is, you know, uh, if you're close to your family, like definitely keep that communication up. Our world is small. You don't have, you know, it's super nice now. When my mom was traveling at my age, she had to write home and it would take three or four weeks to get a letter back, but we can get it pretty much instantaneously. But then on the other side of that, also make sure that you're not consistently feeling like you're letting them down if you're not checking in every day. Um, or they're not checking in on you, like still being able to support each other as if you're right next to each other. 
but and having those like same type of like boundaries if you want to call them that um but just being aware that you will have lives as well and you have to be present in your time zone and um in what you're doing every day so not feeling kind of held back remember that you're you you all want each other to like live your best life and so as much as you can support back home that's amazing but they also want you to like follow your dreams exactly and what are your dreams like what are your goals those (laughs) big those big goals I know you you want longevity in the sport you want to win you know western states at 90 but what are the (laughs) what are the big goals for you you know, is it is it a is it a first place finish at a at one of these you know Western states and and uh, like UTMB style races? What what are like you've you're up there, you know? Yeah, I mean that uh, those are huge goals and <clears throat> incredible like driving forces every day. Uh, it's cool to imagine yourself on the podium and maybe at the top. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's what keeps us like pushing harder is <laughs> uh, those goals for the first. Uh, but like you said, like longevity in the sport and daily just competing with myself. Like, how can I improve um, when I look back on this time next year? Can I say like, oh, I'm at the same place or am I a little bit higher? Or what strengths have I come by um, in a year? What's improved? What have I maybe let slack a little bit. <laughs> what can I work on? It's like a constant, just daily growth. I think you get a lot out of life um, by just like seeing what you can get, you know, just constantly putting in the work and um, yeah, being excited about what's, what tomorrow holds. And what would you say are your like greatest strengths and weaknesses as a, as a long distance trail runner? Oh, my greatest strength. Well, I can grind through anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the grind. And so like being out there for a long time can be, I don't know, I can just get into this mode of just keeping going. And maybe that, you know, is from life and stuff. Just putting one foot in front of the other is always a good way to keep moving forward. Um, my weakness, I mean... Our food, like taking on nutrition is always a hard area for probably every single athlete in the world. Um, I have decided that it, <laughs> your stomach is going to turn in the long distance race. Okay. You just luck out if it <laughs> only turns later. <laughs> so I don't know if that's my uh, weakness, but it's my strength that I can just assume it's coming and <laughs> figure it out. Um, <laughs> that's the best part too about like what we get to do. No trace, no race is the same. Like even if I run states for ten years, no, neither year is gonna, you know, not any year is gonna be the same. So that's the coolest part is that like your competition's different, the weather's mm-hmm. different, the how you feeling is different. So what can you do to make your day the best day you can have for that day? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little different for like track. Uh, you at least know the terrain's going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what is like? Do you have any advice for fueling for for distances like that? Like, I've never done a hundred miler, and I think I probably told you that when we spoke last time that I don't plan on it, and it's not even in my mind. But hey, you never know. Maybe when I'm seventy five or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, and um, you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly, totally. But yeah, just when you get into those. You know, I try and I'm running marathons now, so trying to fuel for that. It's yeah. maybe high, much higher intensity. But when it's like over a long period of time, like 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 you're doing 100 mile races, what's the do you have a like strategy around that? Is there something I mean, obviously types of food varies because it's it's very preferential to the individual. But yeah, if there's any strategies or tips around that. I love that uh, question and that whole topic. I maybe I'm a little jealous actually that you're <laughs> doing your nutrition right now for marathon because I think there's a lot that we could learn from maybe taking in calories at high intensities even before we go into the endurance world. I've done it the opposite way, you know, doing the endurance world first and then trying to like for shorter races, I'm trying to get in some fuel and I'm mm. trying to figure that out. And I think it's harder (laughs) when you're working harder to get in fuel. Um, 
So you'll find it easier once you've nailed the marathon nutrition, you'll figure it out for uh, trail running and endurance running. Obviously, in the endurance running, if you're out there for you know, 24, 28 hours, your body just needs real food. Um, that's my biggest thing that I found is that I can't last on gels and um, soda. <laughs> um, yeah. So figuring out, like you said, what foods work um, and going back to the basics, you know, like try bananas, see if those work. And that's a lot of calories, a lot of good food. It's a lot of wholesomeness in your stomach to be able to take in gels um, trying to get consistently into taking something in every, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. And it only has to be something tiny, but if you can constantly feed your body, it's going to be able to do better. And then just practice <laughs> on every run practice. <laughs> yeah. So you're bringing stuff with you on your runs. Like you're, I don't know what, what does your training look like now mileage wise per week or time on feet? Uh, I average, I have for a while, for probably all six years or whatever, like 60 miles a week. I'm not a huge mileage athlete. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. Taking calories and making sure I am getting them in. And then that post, you know, post recovery, getting calories in as quickly as you can after a run that also helps. And, and that can help too. Like when you're initially starting, just giving your body a chance, like, get done with your run, eat right away. Even if it's just a snack, at least give your body like, Hey, my body, my heart rate's still up. I'm still sweating. Um, how can I deal with this food? Yeah. Take it in. That's true too, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be during the effort. It could be just like immediately after. Cause I know, <clears throat> let's say after, well, uh, my last marathon was in Zurich, but I ran Berlin, um, awesome. two years ago or something. Anyways, the point being when I finished the race, even, 30 minutes or 40 minutes after I wanted, my brain was like, I want to eat food, but I can't, I can't eat it, um, right away or I can't eat that much right away. So like I wolfed down a burger and then I would felt nauseous because yeah. <laughs> your body's still in that state of like, you know, working quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and so I thought like that kind of makes sense what you're saying, even after doing a hard workout or whatever, if you're getting used to eating food, that the body can actually actually absorb it without um, feeling that way, you know. But I just thought it was super interesting. Like yeah, for sure. And thank you for sharing that too, because I think a lot of people do fall short. Because you know, I've heard coaches and people say like, "Oh, don't put too much pressure on your body. Like, if you don't want to eat anything now, it's okay. Like, this is after a race or something." But that like, <laughs> there's some things that just don't have like a grace period, like eat food <laughs> right yeah. now. I don't care if you feel crappy because your body needs it. If you want to, you know, perform well next week or the week after that, like the quicker you can get food into the better. So find a smoothie or find, I don't know, something good that just fills you up. Cause I think that's where I lacked for the longest time was being like, Oh, well, you know, I've, I've done my race. I've done my, peak like i can just chill but then your body is so broken down it just takes so much longer to recover mm -hmm. and then if you could just get some food in you'd feel so much better so much quicker um so yeah don't have any grace for your athletes when they're <laughs> not hungry after a race eat food <laughs> i guess if i can contribute something it's just like don't eat it too fast maybe just like yeah. little bird bird bites of it and take your time uh, don't just wolf it down. Cause then, you know, that's kind of yeah. maybe what I was experiencing was like, I just think like beer and beer and, and burgers after. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't have to eat something like super greasy or spicy or full meal, like just getting something in, like I said, like a glass of milk or something like that. Like just mm -hmm. try and give your body something to settle. Um, and try and refuel it as much as you can as much as you like really don't feel like it <laughs> i was gonna say like you said 60 miles a week um mm -hmm. that's maybe not as high as a lot of other athletes why does that work for you because i i find this fascinating because you're very successful very consistent um we have this idea that <clears throat> to be good we need to run like 
you know, over a hundred a week, mm-hmm. um, or that's what people think anyways. I, I think, well, I think that, um, I I've considered yeah. moving my mileage up, um, to get over, let's say a hundred K a week or whatever, where now I may be hovering around what you're, what you're doing. Um, so hearing you say that has given me confidence that maybe I'm in, a, I mean, that's my sweet spot perhaps. Yeah. Um, also not my full-time job. So can you comment on that a little bit? Why it works for you? And is the intensity, inc- I mean, I guess how I think about it is like volume may be lower. It does inten- do you have a higher intensity to kind of prepare yourself for these, these longer events? Yeah, uh, definitely, you know, for me, it's quality over quantity. And so if I feel like I'm losing quality and that can be in any sense, you know, running long and feeling like I'm failing on getting my nutrition right or things like that, um, I'd always take the quality over the quantity. And then again, like we talked at the beginning, the balance between stress and recovery. Uh, This is my perfect recipe right now. Um, for what I need, uh, I can adjust it as needed or, um, and especially when you bring in like the work factor or family stress factor, or anything like that, like finding your perfect formula is what's key. Um, and it's, it's worked really well for me. I, you know, have a coach that, uh, has worked with other athletes that maybe, you know, didn't have as much, um, strength or, you know, feel like they got injured a lot more. And so maybe he was a little more cautious with, uh, volume to go to start with. And I've found that very effective and just like myself building my body to the point where I could, if I needed to get more mileage, but making sure <laughs> that my body can keep up with my engine, um, is huge too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think that's what it is. You're like building the building the strong car, right? Like the start strong frame for the car. Cause you're, you have the engine for it and you have the mental for it. Um, mm-hmm. it just sounds like just having so much fun out there at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the whole thing. You gotta be, you know, the body's going to break down before your heart or your mind does, you know? Right. So I guess that's the sweet spot. And it's not the first, you're not the first ultra endurance athlete. I've heard say that too, with like, they told me a mileage that it was like, that uh, in my belief wasn't, you know, didn't sound at par with any, with other uh, runners. So mm-hmm. I guess both works. And I, I love that about what you're saying, because you're clearly racing at a high level. You're, and that's, it's because you're doing what works for you and you're not kind of listening to the noise or, and you're trusting your coaches and what they're saying. Um, one thing doesn't work for everybody. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I actually just spoke to one of my athletes the other day, too, and um, we're trying to find her perfect sweet spot. And I said, you know, you can always do more. There's always something else you can do. <laughs> like I could be sitting here. Or I could be, you know, stretching over there or rolling or um, doing yoga or going to the gym or running a little more. But sometimes doing more, you know, doing less is actually doing more. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that balance you have to find is just key I don't know when you figure it out everything just works and your body feels good (laughs) the body's feeling good now you're ready to tackle this season did I see correctly or do you have a half marathon in like three days yeah (laughs) yeah I do (laughs) I'm yeah hopping in a a local one of the classics formidable half marathon which will be really fun (laughs) that's like a 5k for you pretty much (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you excited for this one or like that's not really a distance you normally race right right no and this is a really big uh work piece for me um and yeah going into the season it's been fun to add a little a few work pieces in and uh, i'm super excited for the season yeah feeling good and just excited, like I said, to grow and learn and see what's ahead. How do you see it going for you this year? What are like, I see also, I'm, I'm looking, I don't know how I found this, but uh, <laughs> Solomon Falls 50K like next week and then Western States again in June. Yep. Um, and in between that, I have a, a 73K in CNT in Italy. Nice. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Going to the Tuscany region. So 
be fun to run through all the vineyards and then taste the wine afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I'm doing UTMB too, so okay, it'll be another big year. Yeah, very cool. So I mean, what? So do you like? What do you prefer? Because you kind of do a mix of like these small races and then the big races. What's now? It's Western States is going to be your fourth. Did yep. I see that right? Mm-hmm. So like you did a seventh place and five and five to just mm-hmm. to kind of speak to your consistency. What's what what is that like for you? And you know, that's like the I don't know, in, in sports, like the Super Bowl, I guess, for for trail runners. Yeah. Uh I love the small races. I love getting to know the community better. And um every time I go out, I meet, you know, meet someone new. I push myself a little differently. It's it's a different atmosphere and that you know i can roll out of bed do all my activation everything feel like race day show up and have a blast (laughs) um and it's just really fun and everyone's excited to be out there whereas in the bigger races sometimes there's i'm still super excited to be out there but some people are super stressed about it and Mm -hmm. shame it It, like you just your heart breaks for them like oh just enjoy it (laughs) um but I love the bigger races too. They're exciting. They bring, you know, a whole nother atmosphere for, you know, the Terex team. We get to spend a lot of time together. Um, so that's really, really, really cool. Like UTMB week is amazing because it's a month of just getting to spend time with my team and be in Europe and um, eat food. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's so special. Uh, yeah, I, I love them all. Um what was the other question you asked me? <laughs> no, just like, um, I don't know how it's like, you know, that's like the, the, the Mecca for, for racing right now for those distances, you know, just like, I think you kind of spoke to it a little bit, how you handle those races and like, you don't let it become too big for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people might take it, you know, way too seriously or, you know, you, people want to have different levels of competitiveness too, or their maybe their relationship to the sport has changed. And um, yeah, I guess maybe how do you stay so light when so much is on like at stake or on the line, or do you even see it that way? Yeah, I don't see it that way. <laughs> um, and why you know, go back, I- you know, why go back so many times, so many times in a row? Like, um, do you learn something new every time? Is there, <laughs> um you know because it's so long of a of a race you know yeah I learned so much every time um from states from UTMB uh from any race uh even you know this half marathon this weekend I'll definitely learn something and every year is different like different people which makes it really fun uh different challenges you know as a sport we're growing we get to we're we're getting to be professionals. Like I just got a visa in the States as a professional athlete. Um, super exciting. Like it's, yeah, it's the best. (laughs) (laughs) I like, it was a huge process to get there and I had to put together like a big folder, um, of information, like why our sport is professional. Uh, how, you know, how is it professional? Why should they even bother looking at me as an athlete to, you know, be considered a professional athlete no one knows what trail running is as much as we think they do um (laughs) and i'm hoping it's like paved a little way for other people that want to be professional athletes over here um and yeah it's pretty amazing at the point in life where our sport is at obviously the speed bumps along the way we're going to encounter um but constantly you know getting to interact with people and chat and see how we can grow the sport or we can improve something um is always always attractive and always something i want to be involved in and right now you know i get to i'm i'm young i can travel i i'm lucky that this is my job (laughs) and my passion um so yeah, why not give it everything we got? What's what's the best advice you could give somebody looking to get into the sport or, you know, progress and get to a bigger distance like you have? Uh, going up in mileage is easy, um, but making sure like, you know, your body and your engine can keep up is are your key aspects to work on. So really take the time 
and you know if you need to stay at the shorter distances and just build your strength or build some aspect of your training to get yourself to that point where you do feel comfortable moving up then do that um and yeah some days like you want to get out and some days you don't like it you can be anyone <laughs> and those are the days you know really knowing when you need to take a break but knowing those days you need to have a kick in the butt and get out the door is also key <laughs> mm-hmm. do you find uh people are recognizing you a bit more given your success over the years are people like feeling more comfortable like coming up to you and approaching you to talk to you about you know their race or or running yeah, it's been really fun. It's so fun to get to know people and even running down the bike path here last week. I think last week or earlier this week, uh, a guy ran by me and he's like, hi, Emily. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I I live in a city of, you know, a million people. I don't know. But <laughs> I didn't think anyone would recognize me out here. So it's, it is kind of fun. I mean, to yeah just like get to interact with people and really taking the time to chat with people and get to know them is uh so fun so yeah it's it's opening up more opportunities for more relationships for sure and what's it like to be part of this Terex team how long have you been with them i signed 2021 so the beginning of 2021 um yeah. and i love it <laughs> it's the best team robert has built a team um you know, from the ground up, literally, uh, for, he said, 10 years, he's been working on this and his passion shows and his dedication to it. He loves the whole athlete. Uh, he describes it as his orchestra and he's picked the perfect, <laughs> uh, like instruments. And it really does show like everyone is amazing and we all push you push each other really well but we all keep each other really grounded too and you know like life in the house after a race or before a race is just as fun as it is on the start line and we get to cook together and eat together and anytime you can you know look at my phone and my phone is already blowing up because someone's crushing it somewhere around the world and everyone's excited cheering them on um or, you know, if you have a friend who's having a hard day, like it's easy for them to call you. I just a few weeks ago called on, you know, one of my teammates like, hey, I just need an ear. And uh, mm. she was there. So, yeah, it's it's quite the team and feel very, very lucky to be a part of it. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, it helps to kind of come together with like-minded people it's kind of the same level as you and so you feel like you know you're not alone too in this journey and you know you feel a void for a lot of other people just like they do for you and and also you're contributing to you know through your coaching and stuff like that which is amazing so kind of really brings it all together in in a fulfilling running life so that's that's awesome where can people find out more about you (laughs) um i mean i'm on social media (laughs) so as emily holgood i'm the one running somewhere um and yeah or you know if you want to send me an email or reach out like i love chatting and hopefully i get to meet a lot of people on the trails amazing well emily i hope where we see you is on the in the podium next at these uh, Mm -hmm. big races this year and i just you know you're so authentic and kind and it hasn't changed um, over the last five years since we last spoke. And I just love having this conversation with you and, and I wish you all the best for the next uh, 50 years of, of your running career. <laughs> thank you so much, Justin. Yeah. And thank you so much for just the way you talk. I know that's weird, but being on a lot of podcasts, sometimes it can be, you know, hard to have a conversation. I just really appreciate you being authentic and asking the questions and providing your insight. Um, but yeah, just putting on a really good podcast. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Really from the bottom of my heart. I hope you have yeah. a great day. Thank you, you too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. 
With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at JustinStridePod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me. With logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay, a huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.